this amazing time of worship that we've had. God, we fully acknowledge before you and before your kingdom that the reason that the music and the worship has been so sweet is not because of our talents or our abilities, but solely because the name of Jesus has been lifted up. That name, the name of Jesus, uh, is the one that portrays the merciful grace that was poured out on each and every one of us. God, your mercy and your abundance of love, God, that, that is what is music to our ears. God, that is what draws us close to you. That is what helps us to rejoice. That is our only reason that we can celebrate is because of your son Jesus and what he did for us. So God, we praise your name. We thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for the fact that you have been glorified and the name of Jesus has been lifted up. God, be glorified now as we go into the time of preaching and teaching of your word. God, once again, it is all because of the name of Jesus. In his holy name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. So we've been in a series the previous two weeks, and we'll continue this week. Uh, God has already kind of laid on my heart that next week will be a little bit different because it is Father's Day. Um, I do have a plan for that. God has laid something on my heart that I want to share with you for Father's Day. So you don't want to miss that next week. Um, We will not be in the same series next week. The series we're in right now is called What is Simple Church? I've been asking the question, so what are we about here in this place? I mean, people have been coming here, a lot of people have been coming here consistently for a long time, and they still are like, well, I have some questions. I really want to understand the core of what you're all about. I want to understand what is Simple Church? So it's a good time. If you're visiting with us, this is a great time to visit because you get to see the answers to those questions. What is Simple Church? And we... The, the foundational principles of Simple Church are written up here on the, uh, just below the screen behind me. Reach, teach, and serve. And we talked about reaching people, and we talked about the message that people need to hear, and we talked about teaching people and what that really looks like. And now today, we're talking about the third component, which is serve. Now, there's a lot of places, okay? And I'm, I'm not saying that there are churches that aren't doing all three, but there's a lot of places that are really good at doing the first two. They have really good worship services. They have really good discipleship programs. And maybe they got a Sunday school class or maybe they got small groups or however they choose to do it. They got a really good discipleship uh, process in place. And they do some of the third component, which is to to serve people. But it's not at the core of who they are. Would you agree with that? There's a lot of churches out there that that the the first two are kind of what they're all about. But the third one... It's kind of like something that's thrown in. It's like the cherry that's on top of the Sunday. It's like kind of the afterthought, if you will. Well, let me tell you something about Simple Church. <laughs> We're kind of different than that. Even though it is at the end of the list, that does not mean that it's the last in the list. As a matter of fact, we saved the best for last. That's, that's the core of what we're about here at Simple Church. You may have noticed this, that when Simple Church started, one of the very first things we did was we had... Uh, Operation Christmas Child, where we put together shoe boxes for, for kids that, that probably won't get anything for Christmas, or uh, they're in another country, and maybe they don't even understand what Christmas is all about. And, and that was, I mean, like day one, we started talking about Operation Christmas Child, and that was going to be something that we were going to do. And, and let me tell you that that is the core of, uh, of Simple Church, that we are all about service. Uh, if, if you're not all about service, and you're not all about serving in the name of Jesus, you might want to find a different place to be. Kenny, you're not supposed to say that. 
You're probably right, but I'm going to say it anyway. If really, if service is not in your heart and serving people in the name of Jesus Christ is not in your heart, you, you're welcome to come and join us in, in worship. You're welcome to come and be a part of, uh, of small groups and come and learn about God. And you're welcome to do those things. But in the reality of things, serving is what we're going to be all about in this place. It's, what we, it's the core of who we are. That, that, that right there, the last one is the reason I believe that God put Simple Church on my heart. It's because I wanted to serve with a group of people that wanted to serve. I wanted to serve with a group of people that, that had a heart for Jesus and they wanted to do something. I know a lot of people that love God and they say they love God and, and, and they have the Christian label. You know what I'm talking about? But if you look at their actions, you look at what they're doing with the word of God, and if you look at how they're actually putting that into practice, how they're making life happen around the gospel of Jesus, they're like, ah, yeah, that's a little too radical for me to be doing stuff too. I'd rather just learn the stuff and know the stuff and memorize verses and all that kind of stuff. But when you tell me to take that out into the world and go and live it, that's just a little too much over the top for me. People are going to look at me like I'm crazy. I'm going to be one of those Jesus freak people, and I don't know if I'm all about that. Let, let me tell you something, man. Here, here at Simple Church, we got, we got to do something with it. I, I, for me, I can't leave it in here. I can't leave it just right here and, and soak it in every single day and then do nothing with it. I just can't do it. I don't think God wants us to do it that way. I really don't. I, I believe even so much so that it's good for you to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus and go and tell them stuff about the Bible and tell them stuff about God. But if you're not doing it, man, if you're not going out there and living it, if you're not taking the gospel to people in such a way that they see that you love them, then you are missing everything. the truth I, I i we're gonna look at the passage of scripture today we're gonna look at, and and th th this isn't just like the words of kenny kenny didn't make this up kenny didn't just say this and like oh that's good and and man you're probably right about that and there's yeah there's probably some truth to what he's saying nope <laughs> i don't really do things that way i like to take the word of god and show you why it's on my heart and show you why god has laid this on my heart Jesus addresses some guys that are really smart. I mean, like, they, they're like, they know the law. They, they, like, know the religious law of the day. They're, they're these, uh, these lawyers, if you will. Man, they know the law. They know what it says. And they're constantly testing Jesus and asking him, so you say you're all about the law. You say you're, all, you're from God. Show us, because we know what the law says. Show us that you indeed are from God. And they keep testing him and asking him questions about the law and how the law relates to people and how the law is supposed to relate to our lives. And they keep trying to trick him. You ever have one of those people in your life? They keep trying to trap you in something. You're like, man, what is, what is up with you? Why are you trying to do that in me, you know? Especially if you've got a place of prominence. If you, like in your job, if you're a manager or something, yeah, or, or if you're a politician or anything like that, you know people are always trying to trap you in something, trying to tr twist your words and make you say something you didn't really say and constantly trying to, to catch you in something. Some of you got friends like that. I got friends like that. <laughs> constantly trying to just see where they can get you. I'm like, what is up with that? Why do you want to find a gotcha in my life? You know, What are you trying to do? But they always did that in Jesus because they wanted to disprove that he was the son of God. That was their, that was their intentions. They wanted everybody to discount who he was. 
because they believed that there's no way that he could be the son of God. Because what he said is he challenged every single thing that they thought they believed. Can you imagine somebody that comes in, drops right here on planet earth, and everything you thought you believed, everything you thought was good and right and all that kind of stuff, he said, yeah, you think you understand, but you don't really get it. It's actually a whole lot deeper than what you think you know. You're looking at the words, but you're not looking at the heart. Can you imagine how angry somebody like that would make you? Like, man, I, I was doing all this stuff for nothing. Are you kidding me? That's exactly what Jesus did. And he constantly, they challenged him. He constantly came back in their face and said, look at your heart. You can tell. Oh, when somebody, somebody gets you right here, when they start challenging your heart, does that not frustrate you? Like, oh, you mean I really got to look at my heart? I don't like that. No, I'd much rather just look at the words without looking at the heart. It's a lot easier that way. There we go. Simple church. Simple, not easy, right? The reality of God's word is that, man, what he challenges us to do, it is extremely simple, but it is oh so hard. It is oh so hard. And here we're going to look at, at Jesus talking to one of these lawyer guys in Luke chapter 10. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. This guy, he comes at Jesus and he thinks he's got it all, all figured out, right? You know that guy, right? The guy that thinks that he, he knows everything and he's got it all figured out. Some of you are looking at me like, I think that's you, dude. I'm like, no, that's not me. I can assure you I don't have it all figured out. I struggle just like you do, okay? Now, I, I am no better than you. I don't get like a get-out-of-jail-free card or anything like that. I mean, I struggle just like you guys do. I have the same temptations. I have the same faults. I've got flesh just like you got flesh, so don't think for a second that it's easier on me than it is for you, because that's just not true. And I tell you that all the time because God humbles me. <laughs> if I ever start thinking too much of myself, God comes in and just wrecks my life and goes, hey, you thought you had it all figured out. You ain't got it all figured out, and you're going to have to depend on me now more than you ever have, and if you ever get out of place, I'm going to humble you again, and you're going to have to depend on me more the next time, and he just constantly teaches me through pain. Does God teach you through pain? For whatever reason, us dumb humans, we don't understand stuff unless we learn it through pain. We, we, have, to, we have to suffer in order to learn. That's just how we're built and how we're wired, and when we suffer, we learn. Am I right? Yeah, my daughter could tell you this. I haven't had to spank my daughter many times in my life. She's, she's a good kid, okay? But like having to spank her, we learn through pain, right? We learn through suffering. It teaches us. And unfortunately, the same thing is true with God in our lives as we learn through pain. Here we see Jesus challenging one of these lawyers, challenging one of these guys, thinks he's all got, it, got it all figured out. I mean, he's ready to just start boasting about the fact that he's got it all figured out. So he comes to Jesus, Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 25. And one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> you think this guy who knows the law was really asking Jesus what do I need to do? Rabbi, please tell me. Teacher, please tell me what I need to do to inherit eternal life. Somebody that's got it all figured out and knows the law inside and out, he's not asking Jesus that. He's trying to either catch him or he's asking a rhetorical question, trying to see how Jesus is going to respond. So Jesus replied. <laughs> I, love, I love Jesus. I mean, sometimes Jesus is more sarcastic than I am, if you can believe that. Yeah, he really is. 
Jesus, in verse 26, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? Well, you're a lawyer. You tell me. What does the law of Moses say? He says, <laughs> he says how do you read it? <laughs> you know, Jesus is God. God is Jesus. God is the Holy Spirit. God is Jesus. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. It's called the Trinity. And if you got 45, 50 hours, I'll try to explain it to you sometime. Uh, it's not something we can easily wrap our minds around, but Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. God is the Holy Spirit. Three in one, right? That's what we sing that song. That's what it's all about. It's the fact that they are three in one. So Jesus is God in human flesh, and he's also a man in human flesh, but he's fully God, fully human, and here he is asking this lawyer this question. He says, how do you read it? Now, we know that who gave Moses the law? Well, God did. So Jesus, who is God, knows exactly what the law says because Jesus wrote it, right? <laughs> he goes, how do you read it? Hey, lawyer, what's your take on this passage here? That would be like Jesus coming in and listening to one of my sermons. He'd be like, what's your take on this passage, Kenny? I'd be like, I, I'm just going to read it and I'm going to go sit back down. <laughs> I don't know if I got a whole lot of insight for you, Jesus. I appreciate you listening to the message and appreciate the encouragement, but I don't think I got the same kind of insight on it that you do. Jesus is asking this guy, how do you read it? My, forgive me for enjoying the fact that Jesus is sarcastic. It makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Verse 27, the man answered, he's got a good answer. I'll give the dude this. He's got a good answer. Listen to what he says. He says, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Sounds good, right? I mean, this dude's got it. Like, he, he's getting it. And love your neighbor as yourself. All right, good. I mean, like, that's what Jesus said. I mean, Jesus has said this out loud before. So this man, think about what's going on here. This man is trying to show Jesus, hey, I know what you've been saying. I know what you've been preaching, and, and I got it down, man. I understand it. I got, I got the words down. I, I memorized the words. You ever been in that situation? You see somebody's got all the words memorized, but their life don't exactly reflect it. Like they could recite 45 verses of Scripture, and yet you look at their life, you go like, you read it, but, and you memorized it, but I don't know if it's in here. Your actions sure don't show that. Yeah. Yeah, I know that guy too. I've had dinner with him a time or two. Yeah, it says, love your Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, he gives him kudos here. I mean, it's written in red. Jesus said, write. Write. Do this and you will live. Sounds like these two guys are on the same page. Like Jesus and this lawyer, they... They, they're, they're synced up on this whole thing. They got it figured out. They're, they're like on the same page. Doesn't it seem like that sometimes? Like, man, we got it all figured out. Jesus is on the same page with me. I'm on the same page with Jesus. We're good. Like, things are clicking. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Then the man, he makes the mistake that I make a lot of times. He asks another question. <laughs> he goes another step. He goes a little bit deeper. And this is where he messes up. Because it sounds like he's clicking with Jesus and they got this thing figured out, right? Then the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus. So he's looking to justify himself. He's looking to see if, if, if his actions really line up with what he's saying. He says, 
And, and who is my neighbor? Oh, wow. He just messed up now. He just messed up now because he's thinking like his neighbor is all his fellow, fellow Jews and all the people that, 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 that worship God and, and like they go to the temple and they're making sacrifices. He's thinking, well, that's the people that Jesus is talking about. That's my neighbor. That's the people that I'm, I'm supposed to love and care for and I'm supposed to, to be like them and they're supposed to be close to me. I'm supposed to be close to them, right? It's good. Jesus tells a story. Anybody have a dad who, like, you go to ask him a question and he tells you a story? Like, <laughs> you, you've heard Bill Cosby tell it before. Like, Dad, can I have a dollar? You know, son, when I was your age, I used to walk uphill to school in the snow both ways. You know what I mean? Like, I used to eat dirt and I was thankful. You know, you've heard Bill Cosby tell that story before. But, I mean, like, you go to ask your dad a question and he tells you a story. Now, Madison Cole know what I'm talking about. Um, he says, <laughs> thank you, Mark. Um, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. So here's a man who, who, who's walking down. The indication here is a Jewish man. He's walking to Jericho. This road that he'd been walking down was a very dangerous road. I mean, it was like there's these huge rocks alongside the road where, where bandits, I mean, just robbers would come and they would hang out and they would, uh, they, they would just wait for somebody to come down the road, somebody that had some money or apparently had decent clothes on, and they would, they would rob them. Well, this dude has it extra bad. I mean, they don't just take his stuff. I mean, one thing to just take his stuff and run off, but they take his clothes they beat him. I mean, beat him half to death to the point where he's just bloodied and pulverized and laying on the side of the road with nothing. This guy's in a desperate situation. Folks, there's a lot of desperate people in the world that we live in. Yeah, they may not be laying on the side of the road in a pool of blood, but there are a lot of hurting people out there. There's a lot of kids out there with no parents. A lot of kids out there where their parents beat them. There's a lot of people that are lonely. There are a lot of people out there that, that think they've messed up so bad that there's no hope for them. But they, they've, they've slipped off into a, a lifestyle of alcohol or drugs and they figure there's no way out, man. There's just no way out for me. God doesn't love me. People don't love me. I, I'm finished. I'm done. There's a lot of hurting people in this world. And yeah, it may not be as obvious as them laying in a ditch somewhere in their own blood. But I promise you, if you open your eyes and you look around the world that you live in, I promise you can see a lot of hurting people. You, you can see people with needs. One of the things that we're doing at the end of July is we're going to um, Rainbow Omega. And we're going to do a cookout there, and we're going to just love on them. We're going to play games. They love to throw the football. By the way, I don't know what it is about football. But if you want to wear an Alabama or an Auburn hat, you might get in a fist fight out there. I mean, it is, it is awesome. I mean, they love football out there, right? And, and, and they want to throw the football, and they want you to, to chase after them. And we have a blast. Man, I've been out there many times before. We just have a blast playing football with them. We're going to probably do some arts and crafts with some of them that can't play football or don't want to play football or whatever. We're going to do some other stuff, too. 
And it's not so much that they're hurting, right? So these people have mental or physical disabilities that, that cause them to have to live in a place where people can take care of them 24-7, all right? And, and it's not so much that they're hurting. What they desperately need and what you would find out if you go there, if you go with us at last Sunday in July on a Sunday evening, if you go with us, you will see what they are in desperate need of is just somebody to love them, somebody to talk to them, somebody to care for them. Somebody just engage them in conversation. That's what they want so desperately. You talk to them for two seconds, I promise you'll find that out. And they are so loving and so giving. And they would do anything for you. And, it, and we got people like that just down the road in East Aboga. And we got to do something, folks. See, my job as your pastor is not necessarily to say that every single week we're going to go to to East Aboga to love on people and give kids at up. <laughs> that, was a, that was a slip there, wasn't it? To, to go and, and, and care for the people at Rainbow Omega. It's not just to do that, but it's also to take a group of people to give kids the world down in Orlando and show you kids that have terminal illnesses that are, may very well, this may be their last trip that they ever take, how you can love on them and care for them. To show you that there's a place in maybe Costa Rica or Guatemala or Panama where people don't know Jesus and they have very poor health care and no dentistry to speak of and show you how you can love those people. There's just tons and tons of opportunities out there and my responsibility is to show you all of these things and to give you opportunities to go and serve in these different places. And when God calls you to go to one of those places and you do it week in and week out, to God be the glory. To God be the glory the day that you come up to me and say, Kenny, I can't be at Simple Church anymore because I'm going to Tuscaloosa uh, to get a degree so I can go into child life services, so I can work at Camp Sam, and I can minister to kids who have terminal illnesses or cancer. To God be the glory the day when somebody comes to me and says, Kenny, I can't lead worship anymore because I've given everything to Jesus and Jesus has called me to Africa, and I've got to spend the rest of my life there caring for orphans. To God be the glory. See, this, isn't, this is a transition place. What, what, what you'll hear from me, you probably won't hear from other pastors, is I don't want you to stay here. I don't want you to stay at Simple Church. You stay at Simple Church until God calls you somewhere else. But you better be listening for God so that he can call you somewhere else to go and to serve and to minister to other people. I will tell you up front that the greatest moment in my day is when people go out of this place and they go somewhere else to serve and to follow God's calling on their life. Or maybe there's somebody in here, God's going to take them out of this place and they go start Simple Church somewhere else. And we give them a handful of t-shirts and some bumper stickers and say, go at it, to God be the glory. See, you progress down the path, reach, teach, serve, and then it's just a big loop, and it comes back, and it starts over here. It starts all the way back at the beginning, but it starts somewhere else. It's not for you to stay here and to get comfortable and be here for 30 years. That's not the purpose of Simple Church. That's not our desire. Our desire is to open your eyes to the great calling on your life and the tremendous opportunity there is out there in the world for you to go and for you to go. The, the idea is not 30 years from now to have this huge slew of people and we just got it covered up with folks in here and they're still doing the same thing they were doing 30 years ago. That's not our goal. 
That's not our goal. This man, he's in a desperate situation. He's on the side of the road and he's bloodied and he's got no clothes. Imagine the shame associated with just being stripped of your clothes, laying there on the side of the road. So he gets happy here for a second. By chance, a priest came along. Yeah, I must be thinking, great, awesome. If anybody was going to roll down the road while I'm bloody and on the side of the road, a priest is exactly what I need. I need somebody that, that, that one is that, that people come to and they learn about God. And I, that's the guy I want, man. If I'm going to, if I'm going to have somebody come down the road while I'm bloodied and beaten to death and on the side of the road, I want a priest to come down the road. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. So the priest sees the man, sees the situation he's in, instead of going to the man, instead of, oh, he saw the need. You can tell he saw the need. Like a lot of people, they see the need, but instead of going toward the need, they go away from the need. Here's a guy who's a priest. He's supposed to know what God's all about, right? Instead of going towards the man who is in need, he crosses to the other side, and that way he avoids the shame and the guilt and all the, 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 the his subconscious just eating him alive. He avoids that by going the other side of the road. It's like, I'm going to just get away from him because if I go up close to that guy, he's probably going to ask me for help. He may cry out to me and ask me for help. That's the reality of a lot of people that call themselves Christians today. Instead of going towards the need, they go around the need. They go away from the need. They try to circumvent the need so that they won't be faced with the need. I, I put on Facebook, Twitter the other day, like, where is Simple Church located? Between the Greyhound bus station and the liquor store. <laughs> and it really is. Like, the Greyhound bus station is right there. The liquor store is right there. We clean up liquor bottles out of the parking lot from time to time. I don't know what it is. I mean, they probably should buy the bigger ones, but they always buy the little ones. I don't know if there's a guilt thing associated with buying the little ones, but there's just like 80 of the little ones piled up out there in the parking lot. And many of us have swept up these things. We know about the little mini bottles and stuff. And... I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful we get to sweep up liquor bottles out there in the parking lot. Man, to God be the glory. I, I love it. I, lo- I, I love the fact where we're located. God may call us somewhere else, and to God be the glory for that. But right here, right now, I'm proud that we're sweeping up liquor bottles. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing because people are, are rolling through this little, I mean, it's like I-20 out here in this little strip right here. And they see that simple church sign on the corner of the building, and maybe, just maybe, it's, it's touching somebody. I know we've had people come in here before because they were hungry or just needed food or somebody to, to tell them something or to love on them, and they've come in this place, and I love it. I love it. Verse 32. Sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah. Verse 32. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him there, and, but he also pass by on the other side, other side. So this would be a Levite. This would be a guy who's in, kind of in charge of taking care of the temple, you know, the place where everybody comes to worship and stuff. He'd have been in charge of that. And he would have been in close association with the priest. And, like, you know, he, he's like, you know, just somebody that takes care of the church, right? So he, he comes by. And he actually goes over there close by and is able to see the guy. And then what does he do? He goes the other way too. Man, this guy must have been like, are you kidding me? Like, we've had a priest and we got a Levite, and they're both, like, ignoring me. They're going the other way. God just must want me to die. 
I imagine this guy was in that place. I mean, if you saw like a priest and a Levite walk and pass you by, you would at some point be going, well, I guess this is my end. God must just want me dead. Because I'm laying here bleeding to death and, and nobody seems to care. Nobody of God seems to care. And he walks to the other side too. Then, oh, there's good news. Thank you, Lord, that this story ends on a positive note. Then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. This is a man who was a Samaritan. Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They didn't, the Jews didn't like them at all because they kind of sold out of their faith and went and intermarried with people that were Gentiles and, and they'd had kids and all this kind of stuff. And Jews just looked at him as somebody that had sold out on God. They just they left God. They left their faith. They turned their back on their faith. But the reality is, according to, to this, and we look at this particular passage, just because it looks like they may have left their faith, this particular man, he lives a life that resembles the life of Jesus. He lives a life that resembles somebody that has compassion. He looks, he looks at the man, he's got compassion on him. Look at what he does, man. He doesn't just, he doesn't just feel something. He does something. He doesn't just, just feel it. He's got to go and do something about it. So that's what he does. Going. <laughs> it, it, it continually, in the process, going. You know, if what, what we need to take away from this message, verse 34, the first word, going. We as Christians, we as simple church are supposed to be going. Seeing people in need and going. Going over to him. The Samaritan, the despised Samaritan, the one that the Jews hated, he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He's, he's wrapping the guy's wounds. He's taking his own personal possessions, his olive oil and his wine, which have been precious to somebody traveling. He, he, he binds up his wounds to take care of him. It says, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. So he said, man, I, I see that you're hurting. I see that you're in pain. So I'm going to take you to a place where you can stay the night. Why, why does he do this? Why does he do this? Couldn't he have just done what he did and just kind of left him there and said, man, good luck to you. I, I, hope that, I hope that you do well now. You got some bandages. You got some clothes now. But that wasn't enough for this man. This Samaritan goes even further and takes him to an inn and he stays there with him overnight. You know how I know that? You know how I know that he stayed there with him overnight? Because it says in verse 35, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I'll pay you the next time I'm here. How much faith does it take to say, here, Take care of this man. Innkeeper, you take care of this man. And whatever bills you run up, you let me know, and I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. That's how much he cared for this man. So he challenges, he challenges this lawyer. He challenges this, this student of the law. He says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. It's a simple story, right? 
but it's a real, real hard story. Because a lot of us have passed people by that are in pain, that are in need. And maybe they needed the gospel, or maybe they just needed somebody to show them that they cared about them, or maybe they just needed somebody to show compassion on them. And many of us, at some point in time, we've passed them by. But that's what I, I don't want Simple Church to be known for that. I want Simple Church to be known for people that see the need and they go toward the need. I, I want the people here to be having compassion so much so, compassion so much so that it, it drives them into obedience to follow Christ. You know why? You know why? Because that man that was bloodied and naked and on the side of the road, that was me. That was me in my sin. That was me in the desperate place that I was before Jesus Christ. That was me laying in my own filth, stripped naked. Where, where, where it was revealed who I was. I was seeing for the first time who I really was. And you know who came and had compassion on me? It was Jesus Christ who came by the roadside and he, he had compassion on me and he nursed my wounds and he said, whatever his debt, I'll pay it in full. Whatever bills he runs up, I'm covering it all. Because God had mercy on us. We're called to have mercy on others. Forgive as you have been forgiven is what the Bible says. We cannot afford to let people sit on the roadside, bloodied and in need of a touch from somebody that can show them the love of God. We cannot stand idly by. We must go. We must go. What about you in your life? Have you professed to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but indeed the reflection of your life is one that, that you're not? You haven't had the kind of compassion that you know that God's called you to have. You haven't followed in obedience to God and is calling on your life to go and to minister to hurting or needing people. Is that you? Is that you? The reality for this lawyer is that he, he recognized that indeed he didn't know what the love of God was all about. He didn't really understand the law. He just understood the words. He didn't understand what they meant. What about for you? Are they so real in your life that you fully surrender to Jesus Christ and you follow in obedience to Him every single step that you take and every road that you travel down? What about for you? Are you so in love with God that you love your neighbor as yourself? We know that, that it, we'd want somebody else to care for us in that way. Do you care for others that way? What about you? Father, thank you, God, for this tremendous word. God, and it pierces us like a knife. God, and it cuts to our soul. God, I pray for the person here who doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you. God, I pray that you would just draw them close to you. I pray that if there's somebody here who's never fully surrendered to your calling in their life, God, maybe that's through salvation, maybe that's through some specific ministry that they're supposed to, to fall in obedience to. God, I pray, Lord, I pray that you would just dwell richly in their hearts right now and convict them and show them and God, do all the things that will draw them onto your path. Father, I thank you so much for me and my sin and when I was lost and how you rescued me and you, you picked me up and you bandaged me. 
God, and you took care of me and you, you nursed my wounds and God, you, you brought me close to you and you paid my debt. You paid my debt. Father, thank you for that. If there's somebody here who's never fully surrendered to you, God, they need to come to faith in Christ today. God, I pray that they would do that. God, I pray that you'd convict their souls, God, and draw them to you today. God, I, I love you. God, I want to serve you. I want to show others mercy like you showed me.